0: Well, good morning, Oceanside Sanctuary. Welcome to our Sunday gathering here online on Facebook and YouTube. It's good to be with you this morning. I want to encourage you, if you are watching this, to pop into the comments on Facebook or YouTube and just say hello, greet each other, and encourage each other so that we can connect with each other during this ongoing pandemic season. We are looking forward to... This Lent period, for the next six weeks between now and Easter, we're going to be visiting our new mission commitment as a church. Those of you who have been a part of this church for a while know that for the last four to five months of 2020, our church engaged in a process of gathering together and listening and sharing our hopes and our dreams and our visions for the church, talking about what we were good at, and talking about where areas that we could grow, and out of that process, we have crafted a new vision and mission and set of values and practices and even priorities for our congregation for the next three years. And so for the next few weeks, what I'm going to do on Sunday mornings is we're going to visit those statements, vision and mission and values, and we're going to unpack a little bit what this means for our church for the next couple years as we really seek to follow the lead of the Spirit of God in our community. So that's what we have for you today. We're going to jump right into that through Acts chapter 10 each week. I'm going to visit a different chapter in uh, the New Testament so that we can talk a little bit about what these values and practices mean. But before we jump into the text, I want to invite you as always just to center your hearts and your minds and pray with me this morning. God, we thank you so much for today, for this opportunity for us to gather together across YouTube and Facebook and to connect and encourage each other and to be encouraged by your scripture, to be encouraged by how we learn to recognize that you are moving in our world. It's our desire, God, to be connected to you, to be in union with you, in relationship with you, and with each other so that we can be about your work, so that we can be on your mission. We pray that as we go through these uh, mission statements together for the next few weeks, that you would really join our hearts and our minds, that we would all be on the same page, and that we would be able to accomplish what you have set before us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for those of you who have not seen it, you can visit our new mission commitment at the church website. That's www.oceansidesanctuary.org. And then look for the mission page. If you just go up to the top of the menu bar, you'll see the about menu. And right under that, you'll see a link that says mission. If you click on that link that says mission, you're going to see everything that we have produced together over the last few months that sets a trajectory for our congregation. These are the things that we want to accomplish together it's our mission and together as a church we have made a commitment to that and so for those of you who might be new to the Oceanside Sanctuary or who are checking us out this is a great time for you to find out who we are and what we're all about in this community and if you scroll down that page one of the things you'll notice is our vision statement we have a new vision statement as a church and that new vision statement is this it says our vision is to be a collective expression of inclusive, inspiring, and impactful Christian spirituality wherever it is needed. That's our vision as a church. A a vision is a kind of ideal future that we are moving towards. It doesn't mean that's what we are now. It means that that's what we aspire to be. And today I want to focus in on that word inclusive there are three words in that vision statement that really characterize our values that's inclusive inspiring and impactful and the first word is inclusive and it really corresponds to our first value which is inclusive community now i want to share with you from acts chapter 10 to begin to explore what we mean by an inclusive community if you just turn to acts chapter 10 with me Uh, You'll find a very familiar story there, and and I've talked about it before in church, but today I want to visit it and point out a couple of key passages that I think are really important for us to understand what it means to follow Christ in this day and age. So look with me at Acts chapter 10, and you'll see the familiar story of Peter and Cornelius. Now this story begins with this Roman centurion, Cornelius, who hears from God, and God sends a message to Cornelius to call upon this person, Peter, whom he's never met before. Of course, this is the apostle Peter who is out on mission, uh, following God's mission to uh, bring the good news to people who need it. Now, here's where I wanna skip ahead a little bit. If you look at Acts chapter 10, skip down to verse nine, we're gonna pick it up there because in verse nine, Peter has this vision that God sends him before he meets this Roman centurion, Cornelius. Let's read it together. Verse nine says this, about noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance and he saw the heavens opened and something like a large sheet coming down being lowered to the ground by its four corners. And in it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. And then he heard a voice saying, "'Get up, Peter, kill and eat.' But Peter said, "'By no means, Lord, "'for I have never eaten anything "'that is profane or unclean.'" Verse 15 says this, "'And the voice said to him a second time, "'What God has made clean, you must not call profane.'" And this happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up into heaven. Now here we have this really sort of strange occurrence. Peter is on his way to the city. He stops, and he goes up onto the rooftop, and obviously he's very hungry. He falls into a trance. And God gives him this vision of all of these animals sort of descending from heaven. And if you know your Old Testament, you know that all of these animals are actually the unclean animals that Jewish followers of God are not supposed to eat. This is spelled out in the Levitical law that all of these animals are unclean. And so they shouldn't be eaten. These are understood to be not just sort of safety laws, but also the laws that set apart God's people from other people who don't belong to God, who don't follow God. These are some of the most important laws in Judaism Right? There are a few practices that really make somebody Jewish in the Old Testament, and this is one of them, eating kosher, abstaining from certain kinds of foods, eating other kinds of foods. It's, it goes right alongside a few other practices in Judaism. One of those is celebrating certain holidays or certain feast days, and another is for men in Judaism to be circumcised. And these three practices, circumcision, celebrating certain holidays and feasts and celebrations, and then eating kosher, abstaining from eating certain kinds of meats. All of these things are literally the external markers in Judaism that designate somebody as a person who is part of God's people. And so, of course, for Peter, when he sees these animals lowered from heaven here in this passage and God, the voice from heaven saying, take these animals, kill them and eat them, Peter is horrified because as a a good God-fearing Jewish person, he would never eat these kinds of animals. It's very important for him to maintain that external sign that he belongs to God. And so he thinks very naturally that this is a test, that God is testing him to see if he is really a good Jew. And Peter responds by saying, absolutely not. I don't eat those sorts of things. I am a follower of God. I will not eat them. And then God says something incredibly powerful and incredibly surprising here. Remember, this is, this is Peter following the law that was given to him as a Jew in the book of Leviticus. But in verse 15, God says in verse 15, what God has made clean, you must not call profane." Now, a lot of people read this passage, of course, and and they think that this is the passage where God said, it's okay to eat shrimp and bacon and all that other stuff that in the Old Testament was considered unclean. And for those of us who are Gentiles or Christians, you know, we're glad for that because of course, shrimp and bacon are really good to eat, but that's really not what this passage is about. Of course, God is saying that other foods are clean. But God is making a bigger point here to Peter. And we discover that there's a bigger point when we look ahead into the next passages. So if you look ahead with me in Acts chapter 10, skip ahead to verse 25. This is after the vision. Peter has received word now that this Roman centurion Cornelius has summoned him to come. So Peter shows up and we're gonna skip ahead to verse 25 and see what happens when Peter arrives at Cornelius' house. Verse 25 says this, "'On Peter's arrival, Cornelius met him, "'and falling at his feet, he worshiped him. "'But Peter made him get up, saying, "'Stand up, I'm only a mortal." "'And as he talked with him, "'he went in and found that many had assembled.'" And so Cornelius had called Peter, this, this person who was known to be an apostle of God, to come to his house and to tell him about Christ, to tell him the good news. And when Peter got there, he discovered that actually it wasn't just Cornelius and his family. He had gathered a whole group of people there to hear. Now look at verse 28, because this is important. Verse 28 says, And he said to them, that is Peter, Peter said to them, You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. You see, this is the lesson of the vision. The lesson of the vision is is not just that, that Peter now can eat bacon or shrimp or other things that were previously considered unclean. The lesson here is not that Peter should consider animals to be clean. The lesson is that Peter should no longer consider people to be unclean. This is the powerful lesson of Acts chapter 10, that a whole group of people people who are non-Jews, a whole group of people who are not circumcised, a whole group of people who eat the wrong foods, a whole group of people who don't celebrate Jewish holidays, God says to Peter through this vision, you should never consider them to be unclean because of course they did. For Peter in his time, just as he says in this passage, as a good God-fearing law-abiding Jewish person, It was unlawful for him in his own community to hang out with Gentiles because Gentiles were considered just as unclean, just as profane as pigs or shrimp. And so the whole purpose of this vision is for God to reveal to Peter that who who used to be excluded from the grace of God is now being included in the grace of God. And this is the lesson of Acts chapter 10, that the Spirit of God is now reaching out and beginning to pull in entire groups of people who previously had been considered unclean. And this of course is a bit of a surprise because the tradition that Peter is practicing up to this point had excluded those folks for a reason, had excluded those folks very intentionally. But, you know, if we look back at Scripture, we see that there's actually a very strong tradition in Scripture reaching all the way back to the Old Testament that indicates that God's heart has always been to include people who had been previously excluded. We see this, for example, in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. This is a great prophetic end times, eschatological future vision that Isaiah has where he says in the last days, the mountain of the Lord will raise up and be considered the chief of all the mountains. And then it goes on to say all the nations, that is all the ethnic groups will come to that mountain to learn how to live in peace. And this is where that we get that famous phrase and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. The the incredible vision of Isaiah chapter 2, verses one through five is that someday God's word, God's gospel, God's goodness will extend beyond the Jewish people to include all people, even all ethnic groups, and that all those groups will come to God and learn from God the grace and the goodness that leads to peacefulness Justice. That's where we get a glimpse in the old prophets that God's heart was always to include those who had been excluded. And of course, if you think about it, we see the very same heart, the very same impulse reflected in the ministry of Jesus, who goes around the Jerusalem countryside, goes around the, the hills and the towns and the various regions of Israel. And everywhere he goes, he calls upon those who have been excluded by those religious elites who are in power. He goes to the tax collectors, he goes to women, he goes even to Gentiles and goes out of his way to make sure that they receive his hospitality. He goes out of his way to make sure that they receive his healing touch. He goes out of his way to make sure that they have a seat at his table. Jesus embodies this sort of eschatological trajectory of God to cross those boundaries and include those who have been excluded and then of course we see that in acts chapter 2. after jesus ascends into heaven in acts chapter 2 there's that famous passage which is sort of the birth of the church where the disciples are cowering in fear in the upper room because Jesus has gone and they don't really know what to do next. And he says, wait for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God will come and then you'll know what to do. And sure enough, the Spirit of God comes like fire from heaven. And one of the amazing things that happens in Acts chapter two is that people from all the nations who have come, Jewish people from all the nations who have come back to Israel to celebrate the feast of Pentecost, they come and they hear God's goodness, they hear God's grace spoken in their own language. That's the first fulfillment of that Isaiah two passage where all the nations will come and hear the good news of God. But it doesn't end there. It's not just that Jewish people from all over the world come and they receive the goodness of God. It's also here in Acts chapter 10 that non-Jews also now are included in the goodness of God. This paints, I think, an incredible picture that the Spirit of God is always going before us to include people that we have previously thought were excluded from God's grace. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've noticed that that is precisely uh, the opposite of what church traditions and religious traditions often do. Rather than reaching out with hospitality and grace and goodness to include all people, our churches and our religious traditions too often become places where we practice the logic of exclusion, where where we decide who is in and who is out. And usually we decide who's in and who's out by those sort of internal markers that we consider to be signs that somebody is good enough to be a part of our community or those external markers that indicate that somebody is good enough to be a part of our community. And Peter speaks to that too in Acts chapter 10. If you'll go back there with me, Acts chapter 10, this time we're gonna pick it up in verse 34. So Peter has just said, God has just taught me a great lesson, and that is that I ought not to consider any people to be profane or unclean anymore. Skipping ahead in verse 34, it says this, Then Peter began to speak to them, and here's what he says, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable. So what we see here in this brief little passage is that Peter has suddenly come to the realization partly because of that vision and partly because now his experience with Cornelius and Cornelius's household, because God came to Cornelius in a vision and told him about Peter and called upon Peter. And Peter looks at this story, his own story and Cornelius's story, and he recognizes God's hand at work in it. Peter suddenly a light bulb goes off and he says, now I see God shows no favoritism. He shows no partiality. And what he means by that is that there are no people who are God's favorites. That there are no people who God approves of. And on the other side of that boundary are people that God doesn't approve of. Peter now realizes that all people who revere God, and seek to do what is right by God, are people who belong to God. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what their ethnicity is. It doesn't matter how they dress. It doesn't matter how they speak. It doesn't matter how they think. All that matters is that their heart is for God. Peter realizes all of a sudden that those external and internal identity markers no longer matter, that they're no longer relevant. And that is something that we're not very good at generally speaking in christian churches in christian churches oftentimes when you join a church they want you to sign a statement that says that you believe a whole list of doctrines and those churches don't especially care if you actually believe those things or not they just want you to say that you believe those things and if you believe the right things if you think the right way about god and you speak the right way about god if you fit into those markers of identity, then you are included. But if you don't fit those markers of identity, then you are excluded from that community. That's what I mean by the logic of exclusion. At our church, we decided a few years ago that we were going to try to be a community that practiced the logic of inclusion because we really recognized that every single one of us is somebody's heretic every single one of us is on a journey in our evolving faith that we are moving from one place to another and in that journey of faith we often think very different thoughts about god and come to very different beliefs about god and we are people who are chasing after god and being changed in the process and that means that when we come together as a church we are a church full of people who have different ideas about God and different beliefs and different doctrinal commitments. And we decided a long time ago that we weren't going to be the kind of church that excluded anyone because they supposedly believed the wrong things. And so that's why we say that we are an inclusive community. Our job is to create a safe space where anybody on their journey of faith can explore the direction that God is leading them in their faith. And this is really, I think, a key point because God is the one who leads us through these kinds of changes. And I want to point out one last passage to you from, from Acts chapter 10, if you'll turn there again. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. This is how Peter knows that even though Cornelius is a Roman, even though Cornelius is a soldier, even though Cornelius... Uh, isn't circumcised, doesn't practice the right holidays, and eats all the wrong food. This is how Peter knows that God has included Cornelius and his household. Verse 44 says this, while Peter was still speaking. Now, what Peter is speaking about here is the story of Christ, right? In the passages right before this, he tells the story of Jesus. He tells the gospel of Christ. Verse 44 says, while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. And the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter said, can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And that is Peter's argument. Peter's argument is very simply, if God has already baptized these people with his spirit, then who are we to deny them baptism with water? In other words, if God has accepted these people, then who are we to reject them? Now, Peter makes this argument again a few chapters later, because this whole process of accepting profane, unclean Gentiles into the early church erupted in a controversy. And that controversy became so big that it was the occasion for the first conference in Jerusalem where the Christian elders came together around uh, Jesus's brother James. And they heard Peter's case and they heard Paul's case that the Gentiles were hearing the story of Jesus and that they were responding to the story of Jesus and that they wanted to follow Jesus, but that they didn't want to become Jewish. They didn't want to be circumcised. They didn't want to have to you know, adhere to Jewish dietary laws, that none of that really made sense to them because they weren't Jewish. And at the end of that conference, at the end of that council, Peter's argument is exactly the same. His argument is, if God has baptized these people with God's spirit, then who are we to exclude them? And that's our argument here at the Oceanside Sanctuary too. When people show up here and they don't look the way that you think they should look, when they don't think the way that you, sh- you think they should think, when they don't believe all the things that you think they should believe, when they don't dress the way you think they do, when they don't love the kinds of people you think they should love, when they don't have the right kind of race or ethnicity or political beliefs or sexual orientation, when we struggle with all of those formerly outside categories, the only question that matters is, is God working in them by his spirit? And over and over again, we have seen that the fruit of the spirit of God is present and evident in anybody and everybody who has a heart to follow after Christ. And if that's the case, then we have no grounds on which to reject them. And so we are an inclusive community. We think that it's our calling at the Oceanside Sanctuary to be a distinctively welcoming, distinctively hospitable, and distinctively inclusive community in a world where churches are often the most exclusive and inhospitable places in our cities that's what we believe god has called us to that's what you have said is important to us and so that's what we have committed to practicing here at the oceanside sanctuary i want to invite all of you whether you've been a part of this church for years or only a part of this church for months or maybe you're just visiting this church online today i want to invite you to enter into a time of reflection and ask the spirit of god to speak to your heart about what it means to be genuinely inclusive. And so I have two questions for you that I'd like you to think about today and perhaps think about throughout this week uh, before we gather again next week. And that first question is, how has God stretched you in the past to be more inclusive of other people? What are those times in the past when God has brought along new people in your life and they represented the kinds of folks that maybe you didn't connect with before, but God brought them into your life in such a way that you were confronted by your old biases or you were confronted by old beliefs or maybe you were just confronted by your discomfort with somebody who represented a category that you were uncomfortable with. When has God done that for you? When has God stretched you to be more inclusive of other people. And my second question is related to it, and that is this. How did that help you grow in your faith? Because I I firmly believe that this is what the Spirit of God is doing. The Spirit of God is helping us to have bigger hearts of love and grace for more and more people. And so when this happens, when God intersects us with somebody that we previously were uncomfortable with, i think what usually happens is that our heart grows our faith grows our grace grows that we become closer to god because we're more able to love like he does that's all i have for you today i hope that you are staying safe and well at home wherever you might be i want to invite you just to join with me in a word of prayer as we close our time today god we thank you so much for these words for this scripture I thank you for this community of people who are committed to following after you and in following after you are committed to living out a life of wildly radical hospitality and inclusion. I thank you that you've called our church to represent this kind of grace and goodness in our community. And I pray that you would grow our hearts and grow our faith as we seek to walk down that path together. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Hey everyone, it's Alex and I hope you enjoyed the service today. We miss seeing you guys in person and I just have a few couple quick announcements for you. First is, is if you're new, if you're just joining us for the first time or have maybe come a couple times and want to get to know us a little more, we would also love to get to know you. So you can head on over to our website at oceansidesanctuary.org contact. Fill out a lot of little contact info there and we'll be in touch with you or you can just leave a comment right here wherever you're watching say hey I'm new hey how's it going and we'll also get in touch with you that way second is this month is obviously Black History Month and we have been posting every single day on our social media accounts and on our website amazing black people who many of us, at least for me, didn't even know about. So this has been an amazing time to discover some prolific black individuals uh, throughout this month. So just enjoy those posts, take it in, read it, uh, check out the music of the authors, or the films of the filmmakers, or the businesses in Oceanside, and uh, really just celebrate Black History Month with us. Next up is our coffee and Zoom hangout, which is going to happen next Sunday at 10 a.m. right after church, so this is just a time for all of us to get together, say hello, see how things are going, check in about anything you want, just hang out on Zoom. So we would love to see you there next Sunday at 10 a.m. Lastly, our next book club is coming up on March 4th at 6:30 p.m. And we're gonna be studying the book called Walking the Bridgeless Canyon by Kathy Baldick. This is an amazing book. I'm gonna read this from the publishers. It says Baldick uncovers the historical, cultural, medical, and political filters of discrimination through which the LGBTQ community has seen. With the foundational context firmly established, she examines the most controversial filter of all, what the Bible has to say about same-sex behavior. As you heard in the sermon today, one of our priorities is becoming a more inclusive church, and that definitely includes the LGBTQ community. So join us for that book club. This book is actually going to be our March and April book club because there's so much to unpack and we would love to see you there. And lastly, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we really rely on the donations of people just like you to help us keep this thing going. So if you'd like to give a gift today, if you're able, we encourage you to visit oceansidesanctuary.org slash give. All right, everyone, have a beautiful week. We miss you, we love you, we're praying for you. Please continue to stay safe and We'll see you next week right here on Facebook and YouTube. Peace.